open door the leave. You know, may yeah, maybe I should just hit record uh, w before I just start yelling at you while we're doing mic tests. Just to see, oh, you know, man. even if it sounds like shit, just to Something might come have of recordings it. of you saying things that will uh, get uh, you in trouble online. That are less conscious and more... Uh, well, no, that would be sleep talking if you're less conscious, Trey. Please keep in mind what you're saying, okay? You hurt me. You hurt me. Uh, no, I heard you. I heard what you said. Hurt. Oh, hurt. Yeah, yeah. no, okay. That's fine. Yeah, emotionally. You feel emotions? Sometimes. That makes one of us. I mean... <laughs> You know, we talked about Peacemaker uh, on a different podcast, and uh, Vigilante. Vigilante's a great character. My spirit animal. He feels no emotions. He is a cold-blooded killer, but he's lovely. He feels <laughs> some emotions. You could tell. He feels, uh, I think, two emotions. Mm -hmm. Joy at both killing and Peacemaker being happy, and yeah. fear of Peacemaker being upset with him. Yeah. And I think those are the only two emotions it's he like feels. It's like FOMA, fear of missing out, kind of. Yeah, 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 in a way. Hmm. I mean, he also he also sleeps with someone. But the only time you see him sleep with someone in the show is when he has a threesome with Peacemaker. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, I don't know what that says. Yeah. I like that he keeps his mask on during it. I do, too. Yeah, that's I mean, how else do you keep uh, your identity a secret? Yeah, I mean, you know, if they've seen one of your heads but not the other, you're probably good. Uh, oh. So Trey, how was your visit with your parents this oh, week? Oh, you heard me. Oh, uh, it was good. It was good. It was nice to see them visiting from uh, Colorado. Um, yeah, we did a bunch of stuff. I took them by my workplace in Beverly Hills. Uh, you know, got to show them all the uh, uh, overly ambitious housing of the rich um, on Rodeo Drive, and uh, took them around Rodeo, uh, Beverly Drive, Cannon. You know, just saw that very pretty area in Beverly Hills. Just drove around that. They went to go see Laurel Canyon because they're obsessed with the history there. Well, I, th I think your dad is obsessed with the history there. Yes, yes, my dad is obsessed with the history. Based there. off the conversation I had with him, he was very interested, and your mom was like, yeah, that's yeah. a place. He was like, yeah, that, that's required viewing. Anything that has to do with ro ro uh, ro Laurel Canyon. Laurel Canyon. But yeah, that was awesome. Went to the comedy store, which was a treat, and yeah, we, we yeah. talked about that last week because because uh, you stopped by and uh, yeah, I finally got to check it out and uh, it did not disappoint. I yeah, and you met you out. met Anthony Jeselnik on your way yeah, out. Yeah, very briefly on the way out, he was he was hilarious. Uh, just in that little interaction, um, yeah, and the show was just a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. No, that that place is amazing. That is where that is where comedy's born. Oh yeah, you can't buy comedy there, uh, you know. Despite its name, you yeah. can buy tickets to see comedy, but you don't get to own the comedy. Seeing it doesn't make you funny. It's true. It's true. You like the eye contact during that tray? It was it was intense and uh, it's like camping. Yeah. God damn you! God damn you! Just god damn you, in general. Yeah. No, I hope he does. If he's real. Mm hmm. We had this conversation already, Trey. We did. We talked about going to hell. We talked about us going to hell! 
We're just cycling through every other podcast episode for this one. Yeah, I intend to not produce any original content for this one or say anything that hasn't already been said by us on air. You've just got a library of uh, lines to throw at me in your head. Yeah, I actually have an AirPod in right now that's uh, cycling through my favorite lines of the pre- previous podcast, and I'm only going to be repeating those. Okay. I'm not anything that you said either, only things that I said. Okay, I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, no, it'll be great. It'll be great. Because I, I remember everything that I said in those six episodes. Oh. Word yep. for word. Mm-hmm. Every idea, every syllable, uh-huh. every sentence. Totally believe you. Yeah. Yeah. What Anyways. We, uh, what do we usually talk about in our podcast? <laughs> I also had a ton of margaritas. Ah, yes, as is tradition. The past week. Like, so many margaritas. I actually... Before I went to go see another movie, I went to go see two movies last week. That was oh, a treat. What was the other one? Uh, I took my parents out to see Spider-Man No Way Home because they haven't ah, seen it. Ah, nice. Okay. Yeah, and so one you'd already seen. but Yeah, still yeah. But it's movie. like the best movie to like show people, I feel like. Um, so I took them to see that. They really liked it. But before, <clears throat> we had like 30 minutes to kill, so we went to Margaritaville. Nice. And uh, I got a flight of four margaritas. Ooh. Four small margaritas. I didn't know margaritas could fly. Are they like a new airline service or you what? Son of a bitch. Uh, <laughs> All right, wait, wait, wait. Circling back real quick. Mm-hmm. You, you said that that's the best movie. Spider-Man No Way Home is the best movie to show people. What is the best movie to not show people? Best movie to not show people. I mean, it, it, it depends on your audience, mm. you know? Because Spider-Man No Way Home just has that... You know, the, the the surprise of multiple generations coming together. It's very exciting. It mm-hmm. unites mm-hmm. several different generations. So I guess the opposite of that would be something that divides, <laughs> divides generations. generations. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think my answer to that would be uh, uh, The Lighthouse, even I, though I love The Lighthouse. Weirdly enough, I was thinking the exact yeah, same yeah. thing because of how divisive it could be to an audience because if yes. you love art house shit and if you're down for like something to feel like a really old movie and be in black and white and just kind of be a little bit more nuts of a plot than you'd expect mm-hmm. um then then it's amazing but if you're going in expecting a normal film or like if you're going in expecting spider-man no way home you're gonna walk out of that movie angry yeah really <laughs> angry yeah, and I, I love The Lighthouse. I think it's a great movie. But yeah, like you said, that is an art house movie for artistic nerds who like weird shit. Like, like uh, I remember we talked about our very first like test podcast about how Swiss Army Man, how I showed that to my mm-hmm. mom and my sister, uh, and they thought it was the worst fucking movie they've ever seen in their life. And I feel like, because I remember my mom asked me about Lighthouse at one point. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's like, this looks like interesting. Is it good? And I'm like, it's good to me. <laughs> you would fucking to, hate it. Had to make that clarification. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I was like, this is one. You remember Swiss Army Man? She's like, oh, say no more. I'm not fucking watching it. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, okay. They're not even like it's similar movies. They're just a movies. similar like level of weird out there artsiness. A24, baby. A24, baby. Oh, my God. That's <laughs> hilarious. That's hilarious. I, I, I absolutely love The Lighthouse. Oh, yeah. Great great movie. It's Wild experience. One of the best movies to just get absolutely wasted with your buddy while watching. Yeah, yeah. Especially <laughs> the scene where they're just getting absolutely shit-faced talking to each other. Mm-hmm. What? 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 That's what I mean! 
it's so good. It's so it's good. Such a quality film. I usually uh, I usually don't like the three four aspect ratio. Which for the listener, uh, if you don't know what aspect ratios are, it's essentially the um, uh, the shape of the camera angle you're seeing on the scene. So like uh, most movies are like widescreen. You probably know that. Or if it's like takes up the whole screen, that's usually sixteen by nine. And three four is like the square um, that you see in like old televisions and old TV shows and stuff. And I usually don't like that because it just makes me think of like the nineteen sixties. But uh, I think Lighthouse did it really, really well. They had a bunch of really cool, weird square imagery. Yeah, it has to be done for a reason. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like a uh, very similar reaction also to this movie, uh, A Ghost Story. Oh, yeah. Went to go see that multiple times in theaters, and multiple times I watched people stand up and walk out when I was there for my, like, fifth watch because yeah. I loved it so much. Because Man, you I can tell time really well if you, if you got a fifth watch. Piece of shit. <laughs> Trey, you were three minutes late this morning, so I'm going to hold that over your what? head by making uh, that, endless puns. That was fucking out of nowhere. Uh, no, it's, it's not. Trey, it's, I'm explaining why I'm making so many puns today, okay? Because I'm looking at you, and I think about those three minutes that I was just waiting for you in the bathroom shitting myself, okay? Just waiting for you to come and save me, and you, it took three whole minutes. Okay, if you were waiting in that chair with the mics already set up, that's one thing. I was waiting in the bathroom chair with the mics not set up, okay? That's what I mean. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> You know, uh, you know, the, uh, you know. For clarification, also for the listener, the the lighthouse is not our movie of the day. It's just something we love. Yeah, um, yeah. But also, what you were saying about a ghost story, because I remember you yeah. showed that to me, um, and you told me beforehand, uh, don't get really high before watching this. And I was like, no, it's fine. And then we smoked multiple bowls outside before going in at a time period where I had a very low tolerance. I didn't help my own case. You did not. You didn't because we did smoke it together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, as you were saying, don't get too high. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then we went and saw it. And man, I did not like that movie the first time. But mm -hmm. uh, I've wanted to watch it again since because on reflection, I can see how it's a movie I would love. Mm -hmm. uh, but I was so high that I was just confused as fuck and, and yeah. really bored because I wasn't comprehending like all the subtext mm -hmm. and, and that movie is like 99% subtext. Yeah. So when you're not comprehending it, you're just sitting there like, why is she eating a pie for five minutes? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> if you're, uh, if you're looking for it to tell you what it is, it won't do that. You have mm. to look at the images created and have an emotional reaction to yeah. it. I think that's mo most of that film and I absolutely loved it when it came out. Uh, it's directed by David Lowry and love. Uh, I actually ba uh, back when I was in college I emailed David Lowry and I got a response and he gave me permission to adapt a ghost story into a stage play for a non-profit performance at my college unfortunately uh, even though I did adapt it into a uh, stage production with um my friend Cole Ramirez, we never got to produce it because of COVID. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah, we, we got um, approved to put on the production by a student group, uh, and it was going to happen. It just, uh, the pandemic really threw off those plans, unfortunately. Yeah, that sucks. But like I said, I love a ghost story. I love that mm -hmm. movie, and even though it's slow, it's uh, there's so much that you can get out of it, and it's only an hour and a half long. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty yeah. short. Um, 
I think because uh, later we went and saw Green Knight, another David Lowry mm-hmm. film, um, which was just mind blowing. So it good. was, it was not at all what I expected, mm-hmm. uh, and I wasn't even sure what I was expecting, but I know it wasn't that. Yes, I feel the exact same. I almost expected it to be a little bit lighter in the fantastical nature, but it was nice and gritty, mm. you know? I, I almost expected it to be more intense into mm. the, the fantasy side of things. Mm. Um, I expected there to be more uh, action as well. I wasn't like expecting an action movie, but I mm. figured there would at least be a couple of like good action scenes and there wasn't really and that's okay like the movie didn't need it you know Mm. uh that was just my expectation but yeah on watching it it's like it's not a medieval fantasy movie it is like a character study that happens to be in a medieval fantasy world Mm -hmm. uh and and yeah it it doesn't play that hard into the like like the medieval fantastical elements are more of just story devices than anything else they're not the focus they don't do I feel like almost all fantasy shows and movies do so, so much world building. Yeah. And it's great. It's one of my favorite aspects of fantasy. Um, and this one didn't because it was just this character piece. But it was and so it good. was like, yeah, this is folklore from based on history. So it's like, mm-hmm. you, you know this history. And now we're going to play on what you know and show you an interpretation of this lore. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And... Uh, yeah, we all know King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table, and that was a very unique interpretation. Exactly. And, you know, uh, a common thread between these movies we're talking about, you know, we talked about The Lighthouse, and uh, and we're talking about uh, The Green Knight. Thinking about the actors uh, who perform in these films, uh, Lighthouse, you got Robert Pattinson, mm-hmm. Green Knight, you got Barry Keoghan, yeah. which... We were fortunate enough to get to see both of these actors last week when we went to go see the Batman. The Batman. That was in sync. You guys will enjoy our musical performance. Yeah, we yeah, we we do those sometimes, just so you know. Yeah, we both we've tra- been training for years uh, vocally in order to bring you these things that we're doing on the mic right now. So I hope that you like them. We are trained. Yeah, we're trained. We're and trained. This is training day. Well, no. No, it's not, Trey. That's a different movie that we decided oh. not to do. Oh, right. Ah! I think I just hit the mic. I was aiming for you, and the mic was the smallest target in the center, and I happened to hit it. Bullseye. Bullseye. No, Trey, that's Daredevil. We're talking about Batman. Bullseye. Bullseye? Yeah. Bullseye. It's like Peter Griffin, but his ball chin is just in his left eye. I feel like a ball eye would be so much more terrifying than a ball chin, because we've seen ball chins before. Yeah, but just testicles popping out of your eye sockets. Yeah, I mean, it's like when you're in a fight, you know, and you you desperately have to win. You You go for the four balls, the eyeballs and the testiballs. (laughs) Test balls. <laughs> I've never heard <laughs> uh, <laughs> like that before. Hmm. Yes, it's something Anzen has been saying to me for about a decade. Oh well, good for Anzen then. Good for Anzen. Wow, that was good eye contact. That was that good was eye contact. Like Dead solid. silence in the podcast, but good eye contact. Yeah, that was good television. Yes, yeah, yes, solid television. I think uh, that was a solid acting moment. Yeah. Fuck you, listener. Yeah, fuck you, listener. I know we have no cameras on, so you don't have any reference for A, what we look like, and B, what was just happening. But guess what? 
That's not your place. Look up a motherfucking internet, you square. Look up an internet, you square. <laughs> Quotes from Trey Kochaber. Yeah, yeah. You heard it here first. I got them good, huh? Yeah, you, you totally got them, I Trey. I told them. Yeah, look up an internet. Not with the internet. Just look up an internet. Just look up an internet. Because, I mean, there's so many internets out there. You won't be disappointed. Yeah. You uh. will not. <laughs> Foot itch. Uh, ankle itched. Ah, uh, damn. It's probably the wool socks I'm I was wearing. Call you Tarantino or something. Yeah. Do you want me to show you my feet? No. I can send you feet pictures, Trey. No, I'm okay. I have. I mean, I have a nice camera. I'm I can good. take some really high quality photo, uh, foot photo, foot photos. Well, foot photos. Uh, you know, my 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 hairy calves in the background. My my face doing the lip bite no thing. No one wants to see your calves. That's true. You know, uh, especially since you guys don't know what we look like, Trey has glorious calves. When Trey is flexing his calves, like like Trey, Trey is not like a guy who's like super like, in yoked. shape or anything. Yeah, yeah he's not. Yeah. He's not yoked. Um, he's not like in horrible shape. He's just like very mm. average. Uh, average. But his calves are absurd. Oh when he God. flexes his calves, they're the same size as my head. Yeah, it's and they're not gen- fat. They're it's muscular. Genetics. At that point, I mean, and also you know, I had four older sisters. Four yeah, and sisters. when you have four sisters, your calves are insane. Well, think about it like this. When you're a kid and you're the youngest of five, everyone's taller than you. It kind of pisses you off and gives you an inferiority complex. So what would I do? Stand on my tiptoes everywhere all the time hmm. to make myself look a little bit taller. And I think that incidentally yoked out my calves throughout my childhood mm, okay and they just kind of sustained because i naturally go to my toes a lot yeah i remember we were in a we were in a musical in high school we were playing french aristocrats uh, or Brit- we were playing british aristocrats and so our uh, we had to wear like long socks that were exposed like our pants went down to our knees and the socks mm-hmm. went up to our thighs and i remember like there's a few people like oh yeah you got some cow tray whoa it, honestly it was hard to get things over my calves when i put on like pants or socks i it was it's i mean i get that it's hard for me to get over, over your calves <laughs> that's why we're talking about them on the internet <laughs> yes but yeah I, well i love that role back back in high school oh, scarlet pimpernel yeah i played oh, this great character show. called elton and i just got to uh run around with a butterfly net and be a total um like a restoration fop yeah. Of an English aristocrat, which was the most fun character I've had and just like the most free I felt in a character to make choices. Yeah. My my character in that show, I had a great time with. Uh, the character himself was a little a little boring. He was like a meant to be like a pretty quiet supporting character. I was one of one of the supporting leads. I only mm. had to sing one song, thank God, because I technically can sing, but I am not good at it. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I only had to sing one song. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had the most sword fighting of anyone in that show. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think I had, oh, was it four sword fights on stage? Uh, and oh God, it was so much fun. I like, I was 18 and, uh, yeah, I got to sword fight every day for like three months and mm-hmm. then perform it on stage. Uh, there was almost no dancing in that show, which is great. Uh, just, just True. fighting. Yeah. I had the same experience when I did Sweeney Todd, but it was like less fun because when I was Sweeney Todd, I was so stressed out about working the barber chair that sent people down the slide 
and uh, making sure that the um, razor blades I had had blood to spray <laughs> when I slit people's throats. Yeah, I'm so more technical. I had to worry about all these little technical aspects while I'm remembering all the lyrics to these songs while I'm acting. And Well, in Sweeney Todd, I yeah. mean, that's Stephen Sondheim. That music is complex. Yeah, it can be really hard, especially when things like notes clash on fucking purpose. Yeah. And you're I, supposed to harmonize through that, and you're supposed to clash with the person you're singing right next to, but mm-hmm. it's making a sound that works. Yeah, I, I don't have the musical talent to do that. I just I just don't. There's no way I could have done that role. Well, I had uh, Tracy Kern, a uh, voice teacher in Denver during that time, and mm-hmm. she was training a lot of people at like the Arvada Center and stuff, and DCPA and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So Denver Center for Performing Arts for yeah. those who are not familiar with Colorado. Oh yes, yes. But yeah, yeah, I had some help in training, and we obviously had a musical coordinator who yeah. helped me with all the stuff, but. The most helpful thing was the fact that I was obsessed with Sweeney Todd for like four years before then yeah, and have never been obsessed with it a day since uh, completing my last performance. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. It ran its course. Yeah. 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 I mean, when we did Scarlet Pimpernel, uh, yeah, it was a lot less technical than that. It was more fun and we just got to be goofy and, uh, and, and sword fight and stuff. It was a great time. I remember there was yeah. a time on stage where... Uh, there was this freshman uh, named McAllister, um, mm-hmm. who was great. Usually the freshman actors are not very good, but McAllister was strangely good for totally. his age. Um, and he and I had a sword fight where I'm supposed to like swing at his leg, and he like jumps back and then runs off stage. And uh, I don't remember how exactly, but we were too close to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just nailed him in the inner thigh with the sword. Um, oh. And he like limped for the entire like 10-minute number that happened after that. And the whole time, I'm just like, oh, my God, like, how bad did I hurt this kid? Holy shit. Oh, no. Uh, and then we got backstage, and I, like, ran up to him. I'm like, yo, McAllister, you okay? I'm so sorry about that. And he's like, oh, no, I'm fine. I just, like, you know, I, I got, I got like, hit in front of the audience. So I'm like, oh, my character is injured now, so I have to play it like that. Yeah. And I'm like, you are a weirdly brilliant 14-year-old, McAllister. <laughs> uh, I'm not even, I don't even, not even sure I would have done that. I would have just... Yeah you know kept going and doing the same performance but but no that's that's commitment and that's staying uh staying focused on your role in yeah. the in the performance it's like playing D D. you just got to get yeah. focused on your role you know what i mean your role dice tray yeah yeah i i got that it was a joke i got it okay yeah, you got it okay. but, but like in D D, you know there's like there's a bunch of dice and like in order to like make decisions and, yeah. and do skills and stuff you uh-huh. roll no way which is how that relates to the former thing about a role <laughs> I love explaining my jokes to Trey. Yeah, explain. What is it called when you explain things that people obviously are mansplaining? That's yeah. I think but that's I'm generally man, yeah. So it's and I guess just, it could still be mansplaining. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like it's it's the act. It's usually towards women, but it's yeah. it's the act of just like ignoring the other person and the fact that they probably already understand what you're talking <laughs> yeah. about and just going. <laughs> just dumbing it down for him. Yeah. Yeah, God I feel damn. like it's it's called mansplaining because I feel like the majority of that is like men to women who are just like, oh yeah, you don't know anything. But oh, I know what the what the generalized term for condescension. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're condescending piece of shit. Well, I'm I guess in this case I'm a condescending piece of shit. Yeah. Mansplaining is just gendered um what word did we condescension? Choose? Condescension. Is that a word? Is that the right word? I feel like. Like yeah. I know condescending is a word. Condescension. Yeah. Condescension. Wow. Look it up, listener. 
And, yeah, uh, look it up. You know, we're not going to look it up because yeah, we not. don't like uh, having actual facts. What are we, the fucking news? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do you expect from us? Yeah, what do you expect? We're a podcast. We're we're a podcast. We're two dudes in Los Angeles. We're just trying to spread some misinformation. Exactly. We're just trying Come to on. mislead the audience and tell you fucking lies for an yeah. hour once a week. Quit fucking us over, listener. <laughs> <laughs> With that, you ready to get into our movie of the day? Let's do it. Oh, Batman. Batman. Dan, 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 Dan. Spoilers ahead. Yeah, you like how I knew what you were saying, and so I totally said the same words at the same time. Spoilers. Spoilers ahead for those who have not yet seen the Batman. Uh, we're going to be talking about this movie for the rest of the podcast because this movie absolutely blew our motherfucking minds. Yeah, right, it's amazing. James? It's amazing. Oh. I had uh, I had high expectations, and they exceeded those expectations. Absolutely. It was, it was great. Now, the Batman movie um, is based on the comics The Long Halloween, Year One, and Ego and Other Tales. It was written by Matt Reeves and Peter Craig. And it was directed by Matt Reeves and DP'd by Greg Frazier, who also did Dune just last year, Rogue One, Vice, Zero Dark Thirty, many other beautiful films. And we got an amazing score composed by Michael Giacchino. And oh my god, that fucking movie. I have never fully known how to pronounce that man's name. I always said Giacchino, and then someone said uh, Giacchino, and I'm like, is that right? You know, I don't know either, and I apologize if I just butchered it. Um, I, I, I said the best the best I could do looking at the name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. Nah, it's very Italian. It's very Italian. It's, yeah. it's good name. And a wonderful, wonderful composer. I think... Oh, um, my God, yes. Yeah, I mean, he's done some amazing sound. Star Trek, uh, mm. like 2009 and Star Trek Into Darkness. Yeah, those oh, were... Oh, my God. Wonderful. Hype. So great. Mm-hmm. And uh, and this was no different. In fact, I think it stands out from his other work. It, it was absolutely wonderful and completely mm-hmm. fit the tone of Matt Reeves' vision. Yeah, I feel like at times it was almost like a like a horror score. Yeah. Um, like it wasn't like the – it was more of like a dark, gritty, like detective score. But there were definitely times uh, – like I remember one moment that really stood out to me um, – was uh, near the end when there's all like the gas mm-hmm. and it's like quiet for just a moment and then Batman just like bursts through the gas and just beats somebody mm-hmm. uh, and it just has these like absolute like horror movie-esque violin chords it's very well done exactly and, and that's the great thing about the entire film overall is that this isn't just a Batman story this is a detective this is mm-hmm. the world's greatest detective solving a crime yeah, I feel like one of the best ways to describe this movie um, is uh, the Dark Knight combined with the movie Seven. Yes, um, it's. I mean, it, like, there's definitely superhero elements. You get some badass Batman action sequences, but at at its core, it is a detective hunting down a serial killer. It mm-hmm. just the detective happens to be Batman. Robert Pattinson's Batman, to be specific, and he yes. is aided by Jeffrey Wright portraying Commissioner Gordon, and I absolutely loved Jeffrey Wright's Yeah, Gordon. wonderful portrayal. Yeah. I, and as far as I know, uh, I think he's the first black actor to ever be cast in that role, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That. And he yeah. he killed it. He killed yeah. it. I mean, Jeffrey Wright's just a wonderful actor. Yeah, you could put him in anything and he'll be amazing. But just, um, 
you know, a man stuck between doing his job and having this higher call to justice with his connection to the Batman. Uh, he, he played very well. And we also got to see Andy Serkis step into the role of Alfred. I feel like it's rare to see Andy Serkis in a role that's not like a intense character piece because mm-hmm. he's he's a wonderful wonderful actor, but he usually I mean he was Gollum, yeah, uh, you yeah. know. And I mean, I originally and Caesar in Planet of the Apes, he's like mm-hmm. the live a- or the um, motion capture motion yeah, capture yeah. actor. Well, the fun thing about Gollum for him was that he was originally just supposed to do the motion capture, and then on set he started doing that Gollum voice, and they were like, "Oh yeah, you're gonna do the voice lines for this too," mm-hmm. uh, which is that's just awesome. I love just him. That amazing. Mm-hmm. At what he does, yeah that that performance was was really solid, and it, it's also rare that we see that young of an Alfred. Yeah, I mean he's he's what he's in his like fifties, right? Mm-hmm. And we also, you know, he talked about how he trained Bruce, and it, it's just very interesting how they handled that relationship, and not so much of a like butler, um rich kid relationship it was more like familial well you know okay so i i i don't entirely agree because like when i when i would compare it to like uh the dark knight for instance um yeah they did have that butler relationship but i feel like in the dark knight they had a much more father-son relationship than this one this one i feel like it was it, it was more like a like a distant relative who was suddenly thrust with the responsibility of raising someone and knows they didn't, or at least feels they didn't do a great job. Yes, but to me that feels more grounded in reality. True, yeah. Which yeah. is a lot of what this film does. It takes things that we know about Batman and it's like, what if we really try to ground it mm-hmm. in every way we can? The Batmobile <laughs> is this just like armored out muscle car. Yeah. And it looks amazing and they do so many practical things with it the yeah. the bat suit just seems way more practical even his phys- robert pattinson's physique like mm-hmm. you didn't see him bulk the hell up like ben, like ben affleck yeah, and yeah. henry cavill when they were doing batman versus superman did weightlifting competitions between yeah. takes no this is a slender guy who's a freak yeah. bruce wayne is a freak who thinks that it's his job to go out every night and kind of relive this traumatic moment of his childhood, but mm-hmm. try to change it every night. Yeah, and I uh, like in regards to their physique, it was one thing that both they did and the Dark Knight did that I liked, mm-hmm. which is, um, you know, like when you uh, the body can be built in like different ways. And Ben Affleck's, yeah, he was shredded, but with Christian Bale's and Robert Pattinson's, like they want to portray it as he's not just like this huge dude that beats people up. He's mm-hmm. like an incredible martial artist, which martial artists, they don't build their bodies like that. They build it much, uh, very, very strong still, like very toned and muscular, mm-hmm. but uh, small. Uh, same thing they did uh, in Daredevil with Charlie Cox. Definitely. He didn't get huge by any means, but he was mm-hmm. very, very toned and like they they, uh, they all have much more of like a gymnast physique than a exactly. bodybuilder. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and I feel like that really helped the realism overall, and um, yeah, and also with that realism aspect, you know, they did that a lot with uh, the Riddler. They really grounded the idea of the Riddler from last live action iteration we saw it from uh in jim, cinema was jim carrey yeah, jim carrey in uh, batman forever and this riddler is completely different from yeah. that riddler we got 
a Riddler that's more based on like a serial killer and like yeah. the Zodiac specifically. Yeah, I was gonna say that I think they took most of their inspiration from the Zodiac. Yeah, um, it was like a mixture of the Zodiac and in the Long Halloween, they're trying to. Um, I think there's also aspects of the Calendar Man. Mm, gotcha. Well. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, and what an interesting creation. Yeah, I uh, so just in comics and like like the. Uh, the Arkham Knight, like or the Arkham um, video games, and and like uh, Jim Carrey's. I've never liked the Riddler. I always thought he was a really cheesy villain, um, who was just ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, but in this, they grounded him so much in reality, mm. uh, and yeah, I thought it was amazing. He was terrifying, yeah. and he was like, fucking clearly insane. Um, and yeah, he was scary. There were there was a lot of moments in the movie that were actually like pretty terrifying. And you know, a lot of that. I give credit where it's due to Paul Dano, mm-hmm. an amazing actor who we've seen give countless amazing performances from There Will Be Blood to um, Prisoners to, uh, you know, anything this guy is in. He's amazing. He made his directorial debut a couple of years ago with Wildlife directing. Uh, oh, I didn't know that. Jake Gyllenhaal and Carrie Mulligan. And it's a great oh, nice. film. And, uh, yeah, everything this dude touches, I swear, is gold. He... um. He said he took some inspiration for his Riddler character from portraying Brian Wilson, the uh, lead of the Beach Boys in the movie oh, Love and Mercy. Okay. Because he also had um, some mental health issues uh, that he was struggling with in his youth. And, uh, yeah, it's just he, he plays these damaged characters so well. Yeah, he does. Like, have you seen Prisoners? I have. Uh, I have not seen Prisoners. Oh, he's uh, I've amazing. seen like scenes from it. I, I've seen a couple scenes with him and, uh, and Hugh, Jackman. Hugh Jackman. Yeah, yeah, that are just whoa. Yeah, yeah. It's directed by Denis Villeneuve. Oh, okay, nice. It yeah. is just wow. Yeah, the one, the, 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 just his performance specifically yeah. is amazing. But I, th- I think one cool thing also was Paul Dano's mask because um, mm-hmm. I know he suggested to Matt Reeves that they use plastic wrap over it because mm-hmm. he's like a serial killer wouldn't want to leave DNA at the mm-hmm. scene. Um, oh. which uh, or I saw like uh, online, somebody was like, wow, he was just born to be a serial killer. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, no, I, th- I thought that was great. I mean, so it, yeah, it feels like, especially he, like he's a very smart character and, mm-hmm. uh, it's definitely something that that kind of crazy would think about. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, uh, yeah, it was just so well executed. So scary. And you know, those like videos that the Riddler shoots. Yeah. Um, and sends on the uh, various devices and like his blog. Well, a vlog, train? vlog. Yeah, it's a um, vlog. It's a big difference. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, Paul Dano would be like shooting those, and Matt Reeves would be directing him, and it would just be Paul Dano alone with a phone shooting those segments. And he would like be directing himself apparently, and be like having a lot of fun with those videos, and be like, "What if I try this? What if I try this?" And it's like. Oh, my God. Uh, to be a fly on the wall and just see this dude just, like, running around with a phone as the Riddler, just, like, inventing things. That would <laughs> be amazing. Yeah, no, that's crazy. Well, uh, so you you sent me something, like, a week before we saw it. Um, mm-hmm. It was an interview with Matt Reeves talking about uh, his, like, design process for the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was something I've sort of heard about before but not really done in such, like, a mainstream scale mm-hmm. uh, was designing the shots and the cinematography in VR. Yeah. Where he would like he would have his set designer virtually build the set, and then he would go in in VR and he could walk around the set, mm-hmm. uh, and then 
you know, like in the VR, uh, changed like lenses and stuff so that he could de- like design all of his shots beforehand, which is amazing. That's almost the coolest part the the changing of lenses mm-hmm. because that allows you to get so specific. I mean, the only other time I've heard of something like this is uh, The Lion King, the newer uh, remake mm-hmm. of The Lion King that John Favreau did, because I know he designed a lot of that in VR, but that that almost makes more sense to me than, because, you know, it's all like these animated uh, animals and so forth yeah, yeah. in comparison to just live action people. It's funny that they call that, uh, like, they call that Lion King the live-action uh, Lion King just because it looks so realistic, but it's all still animation. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> None not of it's live real. <laughs> but, yeah, no, it's it's such a cool aspect to be able to do that. Um, and, like, the most similar thing that I've done is with a uh, program, I think we mentioned this on a different podcast, but Cinetracer yeah. is, like, a video game you can get on Steam where it's the same kind of thing. You're just, like, mm-hmm. dropped in a virtual set, and you have cameras and stuff, different lenses. Mm-hmm. Um, but to be able to do that in VR is a whole nother level yeah that's um rather than you know planning something you're experiencing it yeah yeah and he was saying like you can in vr like he's like oh you know i actually don't like where that staircase is when they've built the set and so you can just move it Mm -hmm. so they can usually you don't see the set until it's built you kind of like draw it out on like a piece Mm -hmm. of paper and it's like you know generally what it is but to be able to visually experience it beforehand that is game changing for film yeah that that is fucking crazy yeah it's crazy Oh, my God. And also the amount of stuff that they did practically on this film, I was blown away by. Yeah, the car jumping through the fire. The car jumping through the fire. They actually set up a ramp, sent that car off, and it went through the flames. And when you're seeing the flames go through the grill of the car, that's real. That's all practical. None of that was added in post. And that's just, you know, that just says it all about this film. It's grounded. It's real. And it's a great noir detective story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and no, it's. Uh, I remember listening to Matt Reeves in one of his interviews also talking about how he wanted Batman to seem like a mythic figure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they do a great job of that, where even when he's in a room like with other people, like th- he is not like a person to them. He's just like a terrifying being that's just quietly standing there. And uh, I love how they portray... Every time, like they like shoot the bat signal into the sky, just criminals like just look into the shadows because mm. you never know. And none of the and most of the ones that they have look into the shadows, nothing happens to them. But it's yeah. that fear, and that's like, I think that's like the core of the Batman character through comics and games and everything is he knows he can't stop every crime, but he's trying to put enough fear into enough criminals that he can reduce the amount of violence and everything. Absolutely, and they killed it in that movie. He. Yeah, they they killed that movie, and I did love the uh, the way they did use the bat signal, and just like the meeting place with Gordon and how it's utilized with Catwoman later in the plot. It's a it's a beautiful shot too, mm-hmm. from that rooftop. Yeah, one thing I've heard a lot about online uh, uh, that I know you and I talked about is the deleted scene. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, again, spoiler warning, but uh, the Joker appears at the end of the film. Um, very briefly, you, don't, you barely even see his face. It's mostly yeah. in shadows. Um, but apparently there's, he's already in, in Arkham, and he's talking to the Riddler at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. But apparently there's a deleted scene where Batman actually goes to Arkham to ask the Joker's advice mm-hmm. on catching the Riddler. As sort of, uh, I think that would, that's like inspired by Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, yeah. It was inspired by that and in The Long Halloween when Batman goes to visit the calendar man behind bars to get um, information on those crimes. 
And, um, yeah, it would have been a really cool scene, but I, I guess Matt Reeves in the end just thought it wasn't completely necessary. But Yeah, I hope they release that deleted scene online at some point because I really want to watch it. Yeah, and, and it reveals Barry Keoghan, a great young actor, to be the Joker. And Matt Reeves swears he's not setting up anything for the sequel. He just thought it resolved Riddler's plot line very well. Yeah. Um, having including that scene in the end, but felt that the other scene wasn't completely necessary. But I do believe that he will be releasing that scene at some point. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. Yeah. I'm curious to see it. I, I really am. Um, because mm-hmm. I mean, hearing it, I'm like, God damn! I wish that was in the movie. But I, oh, voice crack. Mm-hmm. But I, I also understand because I mean, it was the movie was almost three hours as it is. Yeah. Um. So I'm sure there's multiple scenes that they they cut. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that weren't entirely necessary. As they tend to do. As they tend to do. But yeah, Barry Keoghan is great. I love him in pretty much everything he's in. Uh, Green Knight, Killing of the Sacred Deer. Like, I, I, I didn't love Killing of the Sacred Deer in comparison to Yorgos Lanthimos' other films. Mm-hmm. But, um, but the acting was amazing. Yeah. And it's also interesting to see, because him and Colin Farrell were both in Killing of the Sacred Deer, and now they're kind of reuniting for uh the batman yeah and speaking of colin farrell speaking of colin farrell the penguin so good so good favorite interpretation of penguin by far by miles yeah funny flawed um visually um i feel like he was a much more realistic penguin than i've ever seen before also like absolutely don't get me wrong i love danny devito's because it's hilarious because it's goofy and ridiculous i just Um, love danny devito yeah danny devito's amazing you could have my uh, my uh, house. I, I you don't have a house. <laughs> well, when I get one, uh, you you'll give it to Danny. Yeah, it's I his. like that. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean he. Yeah, Colin Farrell was just amazing. Uh, I I saw mm. this thing from him. I don't know if you sent this to me or not. Um, where he said that the first time he was on set in full prospe- uh, prosthetics, uh, he said hi to Jeffrey Wright like good morning, mm-hmm. and Jeffrey Wright looked at him really confused, and then went over to Matt Reeves, uh, mm-hmm. and he saw him talking to him, and then he came back and he's like, Colin. Is that, is that you? Yeah, and he just thought he was some random asshole on set uh, and had no idea who he was. Mm-hmm. When he first, when Colin Farrell first got the prosthetics on, apparently he went to the uh, Starbucks mm-hmm. and just got a drink and nobody recognized him. Yeah, I mean, I didn't fucking recognize how? him. How? Like, Unless I knew it was him, and I'm like, yeah, no, that's not Colin Farrell. Yeah, even when the trailers were first dropping, it felt like they were trying to show very little of the Penguin. Mm-hmm. Um in case people would recognize him they didn't need to do that no one was gonna fucking recognize him yeah (laughs) and that makeup design is beautiful it's so specific and it works with every movement of his face it's just incredibly believable yeah yeah it very very much is um no he was he was wonderful in that movie you know one of the uh i think most controversial things i've seen online about it is um they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, everyone can agree that Robert Pattinson's Batman is great, but a lot of people didn't like his Bruce Wayne. And I feel yeah. like I actually did, because, and I think what they were going for, uh, listening to both Robert Pattinson and Matt Reeves talk about it, is that at this stage in his life, he's really early into his Batman career, and he hasn't developed that billionaire persona yet. He thinks that all he has to be is Batman, and I think the journey he'll go through in the sequels is developing that persona and realizing that he needs to be helping on more fronts than just that. Yes, I completely agree. And that's a big thing that I took away from the movie is that his true self is the Batman and he wants to be the Batman all the time. But he feels like he 
is uh, expected to be Bruce Wayne sometimes, but it's a it's a reluctant thing that he goes along with. And yeah, I and found it very interesting that he based his version of Bruce Wayne. Um, he based it on Kurt Cobain and yeah, yeah. Al Pacino in the first Godfather movie. Oh, okay, I didn't. I haven't heard about the Al Pacino. I heard about him talk. Uh, you know, taking inspiration from Kurt Cobain. Mm-hmm. I know. Uh, I know. Matt Reeves also said that he listened to Nirvana constantly yeah. the whole time he's making it. That's why there's you know something in the way is mm-hmm. one of the core uh, anthems of the film. Yeah, yeah. Nirvana's in, it. and I think Nirvana's the perfect vibe for what they were going for in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just. Um, yeah, it was a very broody Bruce Wayne. But, yeah, I, I, I didn't mind it so much. I think that there were some moments, like I described to you, I think the the scene with him in Alfred's hospital bed, I, I wish I got a little bit more out of that with how long it was. Mm, yeah. But that that was the only scene in the film. I like, And I got a lot out of that scene, like a lot of information and emotion. I just wish it was a little bit more concise maybe. Yeah, concise or had or had more like a more depth. I, I yeah, I feel that. Yeah. I, I didn't mind the scene, but yeah, I, I do. I can definitely uh, understand that. Mm-hmm. But overall, like this Batman movie felt more like a comic than any Batman movie. I know we talked about the comparison between that and Chris Nolan's Batman movies. Chris Nolan's Batman movies still feel like Chris Nolan movies. Yeah, more definitely. than comic movies. Uh, yeah, they feel a lot more. Even just in the way they're shot and designed, feel a lot more. Um, like high cinema, like high, mm-hmm. almost, not like high fantasy. I'm blanking on the word. Uh, high concept. High concept um, cinema. Yeah. And yeah, this this version of Batman is a lot more low concept. Yeah. Like they, they still have their crazy action scenes, but there's so so much outside of that too. Mm-hmm. And the first twenty minutes is like, like it's it's a great Batman movie through the whole thing. Don't get me wrong, but the first twenty minutes is like a perfect Batman movie. Yeah, yeah, no, his whole monologue, mm-hmm. uh, it's like, yeah, it opens up with the Riddler just, like, watching this guy in his house, mm-hmm. and then murdering him, but after that, it goes into Batman's monologue, just like, about why he's doing what he's doing. Night. Yeah. And, like, oh, it it's just, so good, it's, it's so well so done. well done. Yeah, I, I just love how they played with small details, and, like, you know, him, like, sliding down a pole or something, and it felt like a comic panel. Yeah. That was one of the coolest parts to me. Yeah. I mean, I think that overall, uh, I think most people, at least uh, in general, agree that The Dark Knight is either the best or one of the best comic book movies of all time. Mm -hmm. And uh, definitely the best Batman movie. But watching this, uh, when I first watched it, I'm like, man, they're about equal. I don't know. And as it's sort of stewed with me since, uh, what, the last four days, I think I like it better than The Dark Knight. I'm going to watch this movie over and over and over again. I'm going to watch it to death. I'm going to be sick of it at some point, and I don't care because it's that good. <laughs> yeah, the moment it, it comes out uh, for streaming, I'm gonna, I probably won't see it in theaters again because we're poor. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, the moment it comes out on streaming, I'll throw it on the projector and watch it again because it is, it is one hell of a movie. Yeah, and also, um, don't want to forget to mention, Zoe Kravitz's Catwoman. Oh yeah, she's amazing. Best iteration of Catwoman ever put on screen. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Like this is how Catwoman was always meant to be done. Yeah. And one of the things that Zoe Kravitz talked about is she didn't want to imitate masculine power and strength. Yeah. Like she feels like a lot of people do that when they're women portraying comic heroes because that's 
it feels like a male-dominated world. But what she wanted to do was bring feminine power and strength to this character. And I feel like she did an amazing job of that. And she was just so... Her movement was amazing. Her fight choreography was always so interesting to watch. It was like gymnastics and shit. I loved also... I feel like most... um like versions of Catwoman are very over sexualized. Uh, and like, and they didn't do that. Like, she's still like, she's still sexy. Um, mm-hmm. But it's not like a sexualized character. I, th- I Almost every interpretation of Catwoman purposefully like puts her in either like absolutely skin tight clothing uh, and like, uh, like the Arkham video games, like some great mm-hmm. Batman video games. But like, Catwoman's outfit is just like flashing her entire chest just for the purpose of looking good. And yes. I, yeah, I love that she was still able to be. Like very very hot, and they didn't have to over sexualize the character. It was yeah, wonderful. and she wasn't like her sexual appeal was motivated by her goals rather than her, than her body. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's not like Batman was ever. It's not like she was ever going to like you know ditch Batman and start hooking up with the Penguin unless you know she was trying to get something out of the Penguin. Then she would join his. You know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, what's it called? Entourage. His entourage. His yes. entourage. But you know, it was all about her wants. Yeah. And that's that's the main thing I got from her. She is the, the she had great lines like I got a thing for strays. That that's an amazing line. Yeah. <laughs> it is to say to Batman. In yeah. The, yeah. Just a lot of good lines and a lot of humor popped out of the film. Also. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, <laughs> a scene I love is. When Batman wakes up in the in the police precinct and all the cops are around him, and then Gordon just like fully makes it seem like he's like against Batman and he's gonna like get him down. He gets everyone else out of the room and immediately he's just like, "We gotta get you out of here." Punch me in the face. Yeah, and that that scene was hilarious uh, because was. just I, I feel like it portrays like the the like friendship they have too and just like strong mutual respect. <laughs> uh, there's this edit Definitely. that I saw on TikTok that just killed me. Uh, I think I said it to you, but it's when. It shows them, like, in that cell, and then Batman punches him, and they have, like, the classic 1960s punch sound effect, and then as he's <laughs> running down the hall, it just plays the 1960s Batman theme. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> it's, it's fantastic. I would love to see that. <laughs> also, John Turturro as um, Carmine Falcone. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah. he was so grounded. Yeah, a whole new uh, Falcone, and we're used to seeing we're used to seeing the like trump-esque new york city mobster Mm -hmm. uh ignorant son of a bitch but this one was scarier because of how smart he seemed and methodical he was i feel like he had much more like godfather vibes Mm -hmm. where he's just like very calm and he doesn't need to yell he doesn't need to intimidate people because the fact that he exists and you know who he is makes him intimidating you could feel the fear and respect from the whole city yeah he didn't have to flash his power his power was evident and Mm -hmm. that was so cool yeah and that's like the best thing about this movie is that it's not a batman origin movie it is a origin movie for his rogues gallery of villains yeah, yeah, most definitely. And that makes it more interesting in mm-hmm. so many ways. Uh, one scene that I thought was really particularly well-written also um, was when, after the Riddler gets arrested, Batman confronts him. Uh, and mm-hmm. he goes on this rant about Bruce Wayne. 
And the whole time, the way it's written, like, you just see in Batman's eyes, like, he knows that he's been found out and that the Riddler knows he's Batman. And, like, he doesn't talk, Batman doesn't talk for, like, four minutes as mm-hmm. the Riddler just goes off. Uh, and then at the end, he, like, reveals suddenly that he, he's just talking about Bruce Wayne. He doesn't know. And he, he loves Batman. He thinks he's his partner. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you just, like, God, Robert Pattinson's acting is so good. He's wearing a yeah. mask, but his eyes. You could see it all. Oh, they express so much. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, he's so one impressive. of the best working today. And honestly, like, without a doubt, is my favorite Batman. I don't know if he's my favorite Bruce Wayne yet. Because of how mm. little we've seen, I I do like the tone of it, but I would need to see more Bruce Wayne before I'm like, you're my favorite Bruce Wayne. Yeah, yeah, I can agree with that. And uh, yeah, like I said earlier, I think that's the point, and I'm totally okay with that. Same. And I cannot wait because they're doing two sequels and mm-hmm. uh, two confirmed spinoff series, and there's a rumor for a third. Yes, the first spinoff series is believed to be a Penguin series, also including both Jeffrey Wright and just focusing on uh, Gotham PD. And then the other series is confirmed to take place in Arkham Asylum. Yeah, and that's that is going to be interesting. And hopefully a Catwoman series or something. Yeah, that, that's I think that's the third rumor. Mm. Um, it's yeah. not that one's not confirmed yet, but the other two are, and the sequels are confirmed. Do you know if Matt Reeves is yeah, uh, all over? He's doing all by of them? Matt Reeves. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. I knew he was doing the movies. I wasn't sure about the shows. At um, least producing them. Gotcha. Yeah, okay, yeah. But I I just love the world that he's created. I loved mm. the the red. Yeah, yeah, the, the so like oranges red. and and reds and and dark colors were just mm. yeah. I think my single favorite shot is at the end after he jumps down into the water, and it's the moment that he lights the flare. Oh yeah, and starts guiding them, uh, guiding these people who are in this flood to safety, yeah. and it's just oh, what a moment! That's like it, that gave me like ending of dark night ending of dark night rises like mm-hmm. the fulfillment yeah. well one thing that i love also like in in uh you know it comes in in that scene but batman lost i mean he lost that like he did not like he, sure the riddler ended up arrested but that's because the riddler chose to be arrested it's mm-hmm. not because batman caught him even that, though he solved everything he was too late and the disaster still happened and I think uh, the following movies, based off what they said, are going to be dealing with those consequences, mm-hmm. uh, which I love. I, I, it's so rare, in, especially in superhero movies, to see your heroes lose Yes, and see how it affects them and how they respond to that. And I do agree. He, he did lose in one way, but he won in another by making that move that seemed really dangerous and guiding those people to safety. He won the right way in saving lives. Yeah, yeah, and and that's that's almost what I mean mm-hmm. is that he lost the battle, but mm-hmm. I think uh, the beauty of it comes in how you take that loss and how how he's going to respond to that loss and how he's going to change because of it. Mm-hmm. Um, like, yeah, I, I feel like almost every superhero movie they end up winning, and usually they go through a journey as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when, like when uh, Infinity War came out, I fucking loved Infinity War because they lost. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, Endgame, at least at the beginning, was them dealing with the aftermath of that and, like, the mental health issues and everything. Yeah. But then they ended up, they ended up undoing it and, wi- and winning. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I didn't love Endgame as much for that reason. But, yeah, yeah I, I think the fact that he lost is so much more powerful than him beating the villain and winning in the end. It also just keeps us in the stasis of he's stuck in this world of Batman. The world is not finished it's not um safe yeah he's still needed 
And that's why he didn't leave with Catwoman at the end. Mm-hmm. Because it's not time to hang up the cape yet. Yeah. Yeah. No, overall, amazing. Yeah, 10 out of 10. Uh, obviously, it already got over 90% on Rotten Tomatoes, and it's looking to be the second highest grossing film um, of the past couple years after Spider-Man No Way Home. Mm. It's like... It's, yeah. a, it's big time. Yeah, I, I could not have asked for a better movie. Yeah. But on that note, those are our thoughts on Batman. Yeah. For more info on Leave the Door Open, visit us on Twitter at Leave the Door Pod, Instagram at Leave the Door underscore pod, and TikTok at Leave the Door underscore. Make sure to follow Leave the Door Open on SoundCloud to get early access to new episodes of Leave the Door Open, the podcast. And be on the lookout for future episodes on Spotify and Apple Music. I love you guys. Suck it. What do you want to do today? Leave. Okay, yeah, you can leave. Cool.